Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Well, bless the Lord. Amen. For another year of life. Amen. I thanked him for already this morning for another year. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, as with any time, but we have a lot of scripture today. And uh, our subject matter this morning in our disciples series here is concerning prayer. And prayer is a pretty vast subject, uh, a, a large subject, and there's no way that we'll be able to touch every piece and aspect of prayer in depthly. Uh, this week or next week. Uh, so this is probably more or less going to be kind of a survey or overview of prayer as it would pertain to us as we begin our journey and continue our journey, amen, with the Lord. And so I'm going to pray this morning and you'll be allowed uh, to be seated here in the sanctuary. And then I'll read several verses that pertain to prayer. There's uh, from Genesis to Revelations. There's all types and kinds of scriptures uh, that relate concerning prayer where men or women prayed or where this was demonstrated. So just let me pray today and I'll allow you to be seated and I'm sure you'll be thankful for that. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I pray, God, that you would touch us afresh and anew, God, by your word today. God, let your word stand upright, Lord, among us this morning and let it proclaim, Lord Jesus, some things and some matters concerning, Lord, the subject of prayer. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, help us to pull it close into our lives and will not fail to thank you, Jesus, for what you accomplished through and by your word. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The church, amen. Amen. You may be seated. And again, there's only one service this morning. Uh, with observation here of this holiday weekend. And uh, some of you might not have got much sleep last night. There might have been bing, bang, and everything going off around your house. I know there was at ours. Uh, not necessarily our house, but our neighborhood. But nonetheless, amen. And so what a, what a great thing to be able to come on a Independence Weekend and speak about prayer. Amen. To speak about prayer. Uh, because notably throughout the history of the United States of America, uh, even our uh, early presidents and Congress and going forth, uh, prayer has been a very uh, inte- uh, integral part of our nation as a whole. As a matter of fact, I was uh, mulling over my mind a little bit this morning things of uh, days gone by that maybe I've read or, or uh, looked at before. And uh, I remember reading before whenever back in the 1700s uh, when when like Congress was still just spoken of as the Constitutional Convention, when they were in the means of writing the Constitution of the United States and George Washington being the chair of that great body of people that was given that challenge of the writing of the Constitution, that they had been like four weeks, consecutive weeks in deliberation and not one word had ever been put to page yet kind of like at an impasse because we had all these people that were there and uh, some thought that they were trying to see to their best uh, interests and this one to their best interests. And finally in that day, someone by the name you may know of Benjamin Franklin uh, stood up 
And he said, gentlemen, he said, I feel like we're at an impasse here. Four weeks have went by. Not one word has been written. Everybody is serving their own interests. He says, I think we need to implore heaven to come down and uh, help guide us and give us direction on what needs to be said or done. Uh, so for the affairs of this nation that has begun, that it will have some type of uh, government and guidelines that will be in the interest of heaven. And so they prayed uh, at that uh, constitutional convention for the guidance of heaven, uh, the power that be. There was all kinds of uh, different thought deists and different ones in that time, but they all had some type of concept of God. And so they prayed that the Lord would help them in that convention. And then as days would continue, the Constitution would be written. And ever since that moment in our history, uh, Congress has opened with prayer ever since the 1700s uh, because someone said, we need the guidance hand of the Lord. And so we are... Uh, in spite of what voices may say otherwise, we are still yet predominantly a, a Christian nation that has uh, God bearings and, and so on and so forth. And men uh, throughout history has bent knee for guidance from the higher power as they may have called it. And so prayer, though this morning, not only is it necessary and essential and important and vital to us as a nation, but it, it is also vital to us uh, individually, individually. Prayer is both a privilege that has been given to us and a power uh, that is afforded us if we choose to use it. And so I'm going to read several verses of Scripture to you right now, some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament, and what this basically conveys to us from the Scriptures that I read to you today uh, will be that there is commands or there is urgings from the Old Testament and New Testament Scripture uh, that is urging us and calling us to a place of prayer. So if you will indulge me here for a moment. They'll have these I think perhaps on screen. Psalm 65 and verse number 2. The psalmist says. O thou that hearest prayer. Unto thee shall all flesh come. And so there's this idea of us going unto God. Unto prayer. Psalms 145 and verse 18. The psalmist says. The Lord is nigh. And to all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. And so that God comes and draws nigh, bends the ear, if you will, unto us whenever we pray or call upon the Lord. James chapter number four and verse number eight, there's this ebb and flow that we see. And one of the ways that we draw unto God is through our prayers. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God and he will, there's that phrase in scripture, he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. And so there's an ebb and flow of us going to God and God coming to us by and through the venue of prayer. Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 16 it says let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Again it's illustrating us to go before the throne of God. 1 Timothy 2 and verse number 8 the Bible says I will therefore that men pray everywhere. That's important. Amen. And, and we're not going to get deep into that right now, but prayer is not just regulated to a prayer room in a church or before service or during service. Prayer uh, needs to be in our homes. 
on our jobs, any place that it is deemed necessary, which in Scripture is everywhere, we need to feel free to be able to lift our voices, our minds, and our hearts to a place, a prayer, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Jude 1 and verse number 20. Uh, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, how? Praying in the Holy Ghost. In lessons previous to this one, we have talked about that aspect of praying in the Holy Ghost and the essentiality of that. And we'll talk about that a little more in this lesson. First Peter 4 and verse number 7. But the end of all things. Everybody say the end. But the end of all things, and Peter is turning a corner right here in the writing of the book of Peter, speaking about uh, the last days, the end of all things, the, the day of the Lord. But the end of all things is at hand, he says, because ever since uh, the prophecy of Joel came about, in the book of Acts with the birth of the church, that in the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Ever since then, in essence, we have been in the last days. Ever since then, in essence, the people have been waiting and looking, amen, for, amen, his coming. And so Peter says, but the end of all things is at hand. And look what his admonition then is. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Amen. So in the last days, if, you're, if prayer is ever to be a high watermark and a benchmark in our lives, it for sure needs to be whenever we consider living in the last days and as the day is approaching. I'll just throw a few more at you before we go on. First uh, Chronicles 16 and verse 11, it says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Amen. Seek the face of the Lord continually. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found and call ye upon him while he is near. And so there's just a small selection of scriptures. You might think that's not real small, Pastor. But there's a small selection of scriptures from Genesis uh, to Revelation throughout God's word that is admonishing us, urging us to draw near and that God will draw near to us to do it continually, to do it everywhere. Amen. Because as, as we grow in Christ, if, if, if you've just started an experience with the Lord and have, have repented, been baptized and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you need prayer to be a part of your new birth experience you need prayer to be a part of your new birth experience because our spiritual survival and I, I say this emphatically our spiritual survival in many regards is impossible without prayer it's impossible without prayer prayer is that spiritual breath that we we pray it should be our mantra we pray or we die you know uh, as far as in the church and we're talking about a prayer that is consistent a consistent prayer life uh, we need to adopt early on in our walk with the Lord it is that important because I, I read at one time uh, doing the association of, of prayer and the way that we then grow in the image of Christ Jesus and take on his attributes. Uh, the question was kind of asked and said, uh, a child does not decide, I think I will imitate dad and then go about practicing dad's posture, dad's mannerisms, dad's voice inflections, all right? 
uh, all these things that may have a resemblance to his father. He doesn't get this idea, I'm going to be like him and then just imitate all these things. But what really happens, and we see this in our own families, the family that you've come from, the one that you're a part of, what that boy or that child does, they absorb the family traits, mannerisms, postures, and all of those things unconsciously by how? By having sustained contact with that individual. Because I was reared in the home of my father, you'll notice in me some of the traits of my father just because I was always around and in contact with my father. And so by virtue of that contact, I have adopted some of those things, even sometimes unconsciously, because of being in contact, communication with him. Amen. And we will find in our Christian journey and experience that we will adopt some of the characterization of our heavenly father. The more that we stay in contact, amen, with our heavenly father. You remember in John, uh, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and others about he is divine and they are the branches. And there is something that he made plain to them. And that is this, is that the branches that they will produce fruit as long as they stay attached to the vine. Right. And so our job isn't so much the fruit aspect as it is remaining attached. Because fruit is just an automatic byproduct of being attached to the vine. And there are certain things in our life that will manifest themselves and uh, that we may even look at, oh, Brother McGee, that's so hard. I'll never be able to accomplish that in the church. I'll never be able to accomplish that in my Christian experience with the Lord. All these certain things just too hard. Well, if you can stay attached to him, And one of the means in which we do that is by prayer. If you can stay attached to him, who he is will flow through to you. Amen. And will will burgeon then in your life just as a result of staying attached to him. And prayer is one of those ways that we stay attached to the Lord. It gives us strength. It gives us power. It gives us guidance. It gives us direction. It brings things to our memory that maybe we forgot. Uh, This is a little bit on the comical side, but uh, just this morning, prayer has the ability of bringing things to your mind. I came into the church this morning and every week, uh, of course, our baptism, Tismal here is full, and every week it, it, it don't have a cover, and it heats every day. As a result of that, the level falls about a whole step uh, within a week's time. So I always top it off, you know, about every week I top it off. So I came in here this morning, I looked over the edge, and there's the baptismal about down a step. So I turn it on, and I go to pray. Well, I forgot that this thing was a running. I'm just praying, and I'm probably 15 or 20 minutes into praying. All of a sudden, the sweet spirit of the Lord brought back to my memory because I'm—you can't hear it back there. There's a baptismal out there running. I, oh my Lord! I ran, Brother Mason. I don't know if you noticed how quick I went up these stairs when he was sitting there, but it was right where it needed to be. Thank God! It, it brings all things to your memory. Prayer can, Amen. Bring realization back for some things. So, thank the Lord that we didn't have wet carpets this morning. Prayer, prayer helps you out. Hallelujah. And if it had happened, it happened here on the 5th when it was supposed to be my birthday of all days. It happened. A day to remember. Amen. But prayer, prayer is a great spiritual weapon. Prayer is a great spiritual weapon. If I may remind you this morning, I want to read it in your hearing of Ephesians 6. Of course, that enlists the different Uh, the different articles of the armor of God. 
but the Bible says in the last verse, in particular, but not the last, but in the, the, the setting of that concerning prayer, the Bible says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness in your feet shot the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God going on, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, wrapped up with all of this armor of God, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit, helmet of uh, salvation, your loins girt with truth. In all of this is this concept then of praying always. Amen. So you, you have your faith, you have your salvation, you have your truth, you have the gospel. All of that is good. But, but the oil that mechanizes, that makes the mechanics of all of that work is prayer. It is what makes all of those different uh, articles of our artillery, our weaponry, our armor work is prayer. You do not want to go into battle, spiritual battle for sure, without prayer. Because you've heard me all the time say, and I'll underscore and bold and once again, uh, the Bible talks to us in the book of Corinthians that the, 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 the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God into the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal because by and large we are not involved in a carnal battle. We're not involved in a secular battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Uh, Flesh and blood may be the vehicle. They may be used, but they're not what we are battling. We are battling principalities. Huh? Rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is a spiritual battle. And so we need not go into a spiritual battle with natural weapons. We need to go into a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons, primarily prayer being one of them. Amen. Because it is unlimited in its power. And here's the great thing about prayer. You can use prayer like you'd use a bow and arrow. You can use it at long distance. Amen. You don't have to be close to the situation to pray about the situation. Amen. It knows no limitations whenever it comes to distance. And so, uh, you know, the old song that said, you don't even want to make me pray. Uh, the, the, The undergirding of that is this, is because prayer is a powerful weapon, a powerful spiritual weapon in the hands of a person of God. Amen. And one writer that I read at one time, his name is Walt Callistad. He said this. He said, without prayer, we are destined to expend more and more of our energy with less and less impact. How many times have we tried to take care of a situation until we've almost driven ourselves insane and seem to always come up short with the solution or the answer? We've put in a lot of effort but not with the results that we were really hoping for would, would, would come about. Yet if we had, had coupled all of that with prayer, we had coupled all that with seeking God, we may have found, I'm not saying always, but I'm saying we may have found even the purposes that we do in the natural to be more impactful because they're not going at it alone, but they have prayer alongside them. People throughout the scripture, amen, were men and women that we can study of prayer. And for that matter, some of the people that we would uh, denote as great men and women in the scripture were people great because they knew how 
to pray. Just listing a few of these for you this morning. It was Elijah's prayer that brought victory over the prophets of Baal and those of the grove on Mount Carmel. Joshua's prayer caused, in biblical language, the sun to stand still, or the earth to stand still, but the sun to stand still. Uh, King David made a daily habit, according to the Psalms, concerning his prayer in the morning and at noon and at evening, three times a day, even it displays that David prayed. Hannah's prayer opened her womb. Hannah's prayer opened her womb to the birth of the great prophet Samuel that we have in Scripture. Moses prayed. In particular, there was one time he prayed intercessory prayer for the nation of Israel. And as a result of that, God spared the nation of Israel because a person went to intercessory prayer or prayed in the stead for, in lieu of, somebody else. Daniel We see him praying three times a day, although uh, it was to the risk of his own life and the the laws that were laid down that no man should call upon the Lord in that month's period of time. Amen. Except calling upon the name of the king. Anna, in the New Testament scripture, the Bible, she's she's an elder, mind you. She's a widow at that, and she has given herself to prayer and to fasting, amen, at the sanctuary. And in doing so, she was allowed to see the Lord's Messiah, Jesus Christ, when he was brought for his dedication along with Simeon. And so these are people that are great individuals, people that have been known and others with them about prayer. But perhaps some of their greatness is to the fact that they were prayerful people. They were prayerful people. Amen. And so God is willing to answer prayer. God is willing to answer prayer. God is so willing to answer prayer that according to the scripture in Matthew 7, his readiness to answer our prayer uh, even surpasses our willingness to provide as we would human parents, mother and fathers, necessary things for our children. Look what the scripture says. The Bible says in Matthew 7 and verses 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you? This is all in the same context. Whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? That's kind of rude, isn't it? And if, if ye then, he says, evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So again, our Lord is more ready to answer our prayers than what we are even willing to give the necessary things that our children even ask of us. He is on board ready to answer prayer. And we have no greater example in the scripture of a prayerful person than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. God in the flesh is our greatest example of prayer. We read in the New Testament scripture, and I'm just going to highlight some of these, but we read in the New Testament scripture that we can find Jesus oftentimes praying early in the morning, and sometimes he prayed all through the night. The Bible says in one occurrence, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there prayed. At another occasion in Scripture, it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued 
all night in prayer to God. Perhaps that's where we got some of our all-night prayer meetings, along with Paul and Silas, getting our all-night prayer meetings from the Lord. Amen. But praying in a solitary place, rising up early, he had then this practice of prayer in his life. And his practice of prayer, note now, did not always just take place among the multitudes and the masses that were, uh, you know, coming to him and vying for his attention. All times Jesus found a private, solitary, secluded place, amen, to spend some time in prayer. Amen. One place the Bible says after he had sent the people away, he departed into a mountain to pray. So it's good that we have times when we pray collectively as a congregation or that we're in assemblies or we have our prayer time during the month, you know, the first Thursday of the month, which we haven't had in a while because of uh, Corona. All right. Amen. Hopefully you've been still practicing prayer at home. But nonetheless, there's times that we need those congregational togetherings and assemblies of prayer. But there are also times you need to get alone with God. We have scripture precedents for it. To get alone with God, go to that closet of prayer as scripture states and shut the door. Amen. And that your father which heareth in secret will reward you openly. Amen. For those prayers that you prayed in secret. Amen. In the Garden of Gethsemane, some of the most intense praying times that the Lord ever had was in the Garden of Gethsemane, preparing, if you will, for Calvary. And I would dare to say that uh, a great success of Calvary was found in the prayers in Gethsemane. Where he's praying there, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass with me. Nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so, Praying, praying during that time helped the success of Calvary, of the flesh being subjected to the spirit, that the human nature of Jesus was subjected to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at the scripture, Luke 22. Brother Zach, if you could help me, amen, this morning. Luke 22 and verse 44, the Bible says, and this is in that Garden of Gethsemane uh, uh, account, and there's others in the Gospels, but it says, and being in agony, he prayed. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And being in agony, he prayed. I want you to get that. Being in agony, he prayed. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying we got to learn to pray regardless. It's not just when the sun is shining and the stars are twinkling. But it's when the clouds are lowering and the storms are brewing. You pray in happiness. You pray in pain. You pray in agony. You pray... Yeah, you pray when you know what to do. You pray when you don't know what to do. You pray. He said, being in agony, he prayed. And notice the two words after that, more earnestly. That seems to be the dynamics of pain, agony, and trouble in our life. They'll make you pray more earnestly. Huh? You, you rip off all of the pleasantries, and you just get down to business, to the grassroots of, oh, God. Come on now. I know I've been there. I've been there at times that there's been agony and trouble and despair and stuff all around. And folks, I just ripped off all of the, you know, thou's and these and shouts and went straight. Oh, God! Shook my, I'm telling you the truth. There's been time in this, this church no one else has been here, things I didn't understand. I'm just like, God, I don't understand. I sometimes get really bowed with God sometimes, and I, I'm glad that he's gracious and patient because sometimes in prayer it can get ugly with me and God. I just, I'm just being truthful. If you've ever raised your voice to a spouse or a parent, there's sometimes I've raised my voice to God. 
He probably didn't like my tone. Amen. But just more earnestly, I'm just like, ah! Amen. <laughs> Agony. Praying unto the Lord. Amen. The Bible says, going on Hebrews 5 and verse number 7, the who is Jesus that it speaks of here. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, look now, with strong cries and tears. Amen. With strong crying and tears. And this is, this is our Lord we're talking about. Strong crying and tears. There is nothing off bounds concerning your emotions when it comes to prayer. It's not about having just this just right posture and just the right etiquette and just the right, you know, words to flow so fluidly over. You know, no. As I said, prayer sometimes can be very ugly, and that is okay. Crying, tears, no one else is around, streaming of stuff from your nose to the floor, leaving a wet spot, that is okay. Matter of fact, I would almost dare to say that's almost preferred. Amen. That is preferred. And so with strong crying and tears, amen, unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Amen. John Eldridge said this one time. I think it's, uh, it's one of his books on, on desire or wild heart, one of those four or five books that John Eldridge has written. And uh, he offered that scripture of Hebrews 5, 7, speaking of Jesus Christ, uh, offering prayers with crying and, and tears. And he said this. This is him, not me, but it was good. He said that doesn't sound like the way that prayers are offered up in most churches on a typical Sunday morning. Wow. Amen. We need to pray, and Christ has given us examples through himself. Amen. Of prayer. Well, Brother McGee, I know we should pray. What should we pray for? Well, you know, we have requests that we can make known to God, and, and we'll talk about those. That, that encircles the, the, the idea and concept of what we should pray for. But uh, there is no end, I think, to a list of things which we should seek God for earnestly in prayer. Scripture gives us example. And again, this is one reason why this lesson is kind of tops of trees, survey, overview type. But uh, some of the examples that Scripture states, and I could give you the references for, for, for you, but I'm just going to go through the list. According to Scripture, uh, we can pray for our physical needs. We can pray for our spiritual needs. We need to pray for forgiveness. We need to pray for deliverance. We need to pray for our families, our friends, and our acquaintances. That's in God's Word. All people, for that matter. We need to pray. Here's the one. Sister Adams, we need to pray for our enemies. Pray for those that use you and persecute you and despitefully, right, use you. Pray, pray for your enemies. Pray for your church, your pastor, pastors, spiritual leaders. Pray for your civic and government leaders. We're admonished that in Scripture. Amen. To do so, pray that the gospel would be preached freely and without restraint in the entire world. 
we're to pray about that. We're to pray for the lost. We're to pray for ministers and preachers and missionaries around the world. We're to pray for the sick, of course. We're to pray for those that are oppressed according to God's word, those that are in hardship. We're to pray for all of these things. Amen. And all these things, these petitions, as they were, requests should be brought to the throne room of God. Amen. Unto the Lord. The Bible says in Philippians 4 and verse number 6, be careful or for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But in everything by prayer. The old timers used to say it. Some people kind of wag their head with a smirk on their face about it. But pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray for everything. Right? I, I, I won't forget. Uh, whenever someone had had passed away in our family, it, it was probably whenever uh, the, one of the Weisenberger, one of my grandparents, passed away. And uh, I remember um, uh, one of the rights, I think it was, I don't remember right now off the top of my head, one of my rights was talking to me about when they used to drive uh, a church van for Pastor Paul Poole. And he was just telling me a memory of Grandma McGee, my Grandma McGee. He said, you used to drive the church van for the, for her uh, Pastor Poole, and, and uh, we would be picking up people, so on and so forth. And one particular Sunday, he said, we had picked up a bunch of people, and your, your grandmother was on there, and uh, I, had, I had failed to remember to get any gas that morning. He said, we're out here in the back 90 of somewhere picking somebody up, and we're just, I mean, we're just about out of gas. He said, and Grandma McGee just went to a prank. My God, let those fumes turn into droplets. You know what I mean? Get us to the house of God. He said, and you know, I never had to fill up with gas. He said, we made it to church. You're saying that's ridiculous. No, we pray for everything. Folks, I prayed. I, 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 there went to a period of time with the car we have right now. Uh, Lord, it needed prayer. God, help it. It kept diving into our pocketbook, and it needed prayer. And at that time, my garage was my prayer closet in the morning. And every morning as I was praying, I'd lay both hands upon the hood of that vehicle. Oh, God, you better believe that was one of those mornings. God, help this thing. I pray for anything. We, we prayed for it. Well, on the road, I guarantee you we prayed for everything. We prayed for food. We prayed for tires. We prayed for gas. Amen. We prayed for somewhere else to go after we left one place. Amen. And God was always faithful. So in everything by prayer. Man, pray for everything. Pray in every circumstance. Let your requests be made known unto God. 1 John 5, 15. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Amen. God hears our prayers. We'll look at here perhaps in just a little bit about God answering prayer. But you, we need the consolation first and foremost that God hears our prayers. Amen. Whether your answer comes today or a month from now, right, or whether it comes the way that you want it to come, you got to have the consolation that God hears your prayers. Again, like the psalmist said, unlike all these other false gods of wood and stone that have ears and hear, hear not and eyes and see not and hands and cannot feel, mouth cannot speak, we have a God, amen, that hears our prayers. And I am so glad that he does. Amen. And so whenever we pray, get into this fact of when you pray, you could even pray in the spirit or pray in other tongues. Is whenever you can not only pray about things you know, you can pray about things you don't know. 
by virtue of praying in the Spirit or praying with the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. That is just one of the most wordiest phrases. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. (laughs) In other words, sometimes you just don't know what to pray or what to pray about, all right? But... The Bible says, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Amen. And so when we tap into the realm of the spirit, we'll pray about things we don't know we should even be praying about. But the spirit is aware and will pray through us and will make intercession on behalf of the people. Amen. Whenever we pray. And so the scripture admonishes this, this then in 1 Corinthians 14, that we should then pray with our understanding and that we should pray also with the spirit. Amen. Because whenever I'm praying in the spirit, I'm not understanding what I'm praying. But I need to pray with my my. my Uh, knowledge in my English language with what I do understand and let the spirit pray and intercede through me of things that I don't understand, but it's still yet getting prayed for and prayed about. Amen. So we must ask ourselves the question today, how should we pray? First and foremost, whenever we approach the Lord, we need to pray in sincerity, in sincerity. The Bible says in Matthew 23, verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation for a pretense. A pretense is basically this. It's whenever you put forth a cover to the real intent behind you doing what you're doing. In other words, they're making long prayers, not for the purpose of prayer in itself, but to give the appearance as though they were the spiritual religious people. Holy and thou, we pray. You know, and particularly among the masses. <laughs> Here's, here, listen, your prayer should be no louder in public than what you practice in private. <laughs> Amen. Because if you can't holler into the Lord whenever it's just you and him, there's no need for you to do that when a bunch of people are around because then we start getting a little different idea about the reason why you do that in public. Not that I'm there in your private prayer, but God knows all things. All right? Amen. And so uh, not, not for a pretense, not, not for some cover, some real intent should our prayer be. Uh, there's also the parable in Luke where there is both the Pharisee and the publican that come to the Lord in prayer. And, and the Lord is really teaching a lesson in, in chapter 18 of Luke on this idea of sincere prayer. Because the Pharisee is doing what Pharisees do, you know, the keeper of the law, every jot and tittle. And Lord, I, I'm thankful that I'm not like this publican. You know, I pray this many times a week and I fast and, you know, oh, glory. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and here's the publican over there beating his breast, the Bible says, and say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. He just got to the coarse root of knowing who he was. Amen. The Lord had more respect than to the publican than he did the Pharisee. And so also in our prayer, here's a big one for people that's not just starting a relationship, but's had a relationship with God for a while. We got to be careful not just being mindlessly repetitious in prayer. All right. 
The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 7, Jesus said, Matthew 6 and verse 7, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Whenever I'm talking about mindless repetition, here's what happens. Sometimes, even to the best of us, we get involved in prayer and we're praying, but our mind is somewhere else. Seriously. We're praying all the common little phrases of quote-unquote prayer. That maybe you do every day. And it's okay uh, to bring consistent needs and the same need to God. Don't misunderstand me. That, that is not what we're talking about when we're talking about repetitious prayer. But we're talking about just saying words but doing it mindlessly. Have you ever found your mind drifting during prayer? But you're still talking to God? <laughs> huh? In other words, how much do you like somebody to listen to you or talk to you when they're talking? Not to be talking. And you can sense, you know, when they're talking to you, but they're not talking to you. Huh? Your mouths are moving. Your mouth is moving, but your mind. And you look at them and you say, what's, what's on your mind? Because you know. You know that their mind is somewhere else. We need to give God the same type of, 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 of uh, respect, amen, to have our mind <laughs> engaged with our mouth. All right? Have our mind engaged with our mouth. Saying words with intent. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Philip Yancey said it like this. He said, when I'm tempted to complain about God's lack of presence. Have you ever done that? God, you just, I just didn't, see, didn't feel you. Whenever I'm tempted to complain about God's lack of presence, I remind myself that God has much more reason to complain about my lack of presence. Amen. Go be there, be there. Amen as you pray. And the important thing about prayer if we were to do a versus thing, and I'm not don't want to tread into deep waters. But quality versus quantity. Quality versus quantity. <clears throat> I'm convinced you could pray for an hour, but lack the luster of quality that someone else could pray for 10 minutes and have more quality in their 10 than what you got in your hour. Here is, I think, the best rule of thumb that Scripture even tries to admonish us that we see even through all these different examples of Scripture. Prayer, first and foremost, just needs to be consistent. Consistent. Daily. Daily. It, it, it doesn't... Personally, it doesn't matter to me if someone says, oh, I, pray, I prayed an hour the other day. That's great. What about the other six days of the week? All right. Prayer needs to be consistent. And so if you can be consistent and start with five minutes of prayer, be consistent with five. I will guarantee you this. If you'll be consistent with five minutes, maybe somewhere along the period of time as prayer happens, it seems like that will grow by itself without having to push it, force it. It will just grow by itself. And so God wants us to be, amen, in tune, mindful, there, quality. Amen. Don't go out trying, well, I vow this year to pray for three hours a day. And if you've not even done 15 minutes a day, you might as well go home because you're going to be horrendously disappointed. Amen. Make something that is meaningful that can be achieved. Why don't you just make a point? I'm going to spend time with God each day this year. Huh? 
And whatever that time may be, amen, let it be. But just spend some time with the Lord each day. That is important. Jeremiah 29 and verse number 13. And ye shall seek me, he says, and find me. And when ye shall, and when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Here we are again. Because that word heart isn't just heart. That heart also includes. It's defined as the inner man. Meaning the soul. It's also defined. That word is defined as the mind. And so we're searching him with all of those areas of our life. Our heart. Our mind. And our soul. That's a 100% on board during prayer. We're searching him with every portion and every part of ours. And so as we pray, ways that we pray, we must pray in sincerity. But here's another one. We must pray in faith, right? Hebrews tells us he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When we must pray, we must pray in faith. I'll even say this. Praying is an act of faith in itself, right? Praying is an act of faith. You're not going to pray to the great God Almighty if you don't have faith that there is a God. Or you're not going to pray to him about things if you don't think he has some type of power to affect change over whatever it is. A praying person is a person of faith. And let's back up just for a moment. If you have a prayer problem, it may stem even deeper to a faith problem. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I felt the Lord go by there just for a moment. Amen. James chapter number one and verse number six. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. He said, let him ask in faith. Amen. So we must pray in faith. Whenever you pray, amen, even for another individual, circumstance, a healing, whatever it is, you got to have faith and, and visualize it within your own spirit's mind that it is happening as you are praying. I hear that many times. Go in the hospital, pray for people, pray for this. And, you know, whether it don't or does, I'll leave that to God. But whenever I pray, I try to pray and visualize as though it's happening in the moment. Amen. Though it's happening in the moment. So we got to pray in sincerity. We got to pray in faith. Here's a big one. Because see, when we talk about prayer, sometimes prayer is one of those big things that if you just take a solitary verse and base all the doctrine of prayer upon the solitary verse, you're going to miss something. Well, the Spirit, the Bible says, just ask whatever you will, faith, believe, and it shall be done. Well, then we got to consider where the Bible also talks about we must pray according to the will of the Lord. See, that's what I'm talking about, not just taking an isolated scripture. we got to take the panorama of scripture concerning prayer and put it together to get this concept of prayer. we got to pray according to the will of God. Uh, Jesus' uh, prayer, he said, saying, he said in Luke 22, verse 42, they don't have that up there, I don't think. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Again, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. They do have this one. 1 John 5, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, important phrase according to his will if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us important important according to his will because there's been people in the church out of the church that's become frustrated with God over the results of either answered or unanswered prayers that were prayed in many regards, never according to his will, but according to their wants. All right? 
And here's, here's the big fat one of the matter. I know this is going to surprise you, but our wants and desires don't always harmonize with his. Amen. But if we pray according to his will, I try to tuck that into my prayers. Even if I'm praying a certain direction about something, I said, but Lord, whatever your will is. Huh? What, what? And sometimes whenever people even come forward sometimes and there's a particular thing they want me to pray about even up here. Brother McGee, will you pray about such and such? I'm like, I have a feeling in the back of their mind they're thinking, this is the direction. God, now Lord, whatever you will may be concerning this circumstance. Huh? Right? Because we want to pray according to his will. He heareth us. He said in James 4 and verse 3, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Meaning that we ask with the wrong purpose or with selfish motives. We, yeah. we ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Right? We ask amiss. Or people sometimes pray ultimatums in their prayers. Sometimes God's really merciful, I'm telling you. But I mean, it's like, but God, if you'll bring that car down, $5,000, hallelujah, and give me that new Mercedes, God, just $5,000 cheaper. Woo, I'll go on a mission trip this coming summer. There's a whole lot about that. <laughs> that that's messed up. All right. Amen. And so we want to pray according to God's will. And we want to pray with the right purpose, the right intent, the right regard in faith, in sincerity. And folks, if you're going to pray, you need to pray in his name. Listen, you don't have to be apostolic Pentecostal to pray in Jesus' name. There are people today all across this world that whenever they're ending prayers, they're saying, in the name of Jesus Christ. They might have started out, oh, thank you, dear Father, and I have no problem with that. They might have touched Father, Son, and Holy Ghost all through it, but whenever they end their prayer, they end it in Jesus' name. Woo! Because the power to effect change is in the name. Can, can I tell you today that you have the Old Testament, you have, and they literally uh, many times referred to as the names of God. You have the Jehovah Jireh, the Jehovah Nisi, the Jehovah Rapha. You have all these things, the Lord, our provider, our banner, uh, our shepherd. And many times in the Old Testament, they would address, like for instance, uh, uh, Je Jehovah Jireh, my provider, when they needed a provider, right? But in the New Testament, when it speaks about it's given him a name above every name, it wasn't just talking about false gods. It was talking about all those names that Old Testament Israel knew him by. Jehovah Jireh, the old provider, Jehovah Nisi, banner. Because now they just had to access one name for provision, healing, shepherd, banner. Woo! Did, hallelujah. That if they needed provision, they just need to holler out Jesus. If they needed a protector, they just need to holler out Jesus. If they needed a shepherd, they just need to holler out Jesus. They didn't have to go through the Jehovah this, Jehovah that. They just had to say Jesus. Oh, yes. Woo. There's power in prayer. In the name of Jesus. Let me just hit a few of these verses. John 14, verses 13 and 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if she shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 16, verse 26. Jesus said, at that day ye shall ask in my name. Colossians 3, 17. And whatsoever you do, we love this one. In word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. 
That's interesting. Do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. This is not oneness uh, lesson. But it's amazing that when you use the name Jesus, you're giving thanks to God and the Father, or the, or the Father, we could just say. You're giving, you are giving recognition to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all those roles, relationships, and attributes, and functions when you say Jesus. Amen. So we got to pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, my. Why didn't somebody raise their hand and tell us we was already this late in the game here? <clears throat> well, I guess, glory. Let me just, just shoot one more at you, okay? We must pray. This is something I mentioned earlier. We must pray persistently. Persistently. Luke 18 and 1, Brother Zach. And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always... We know already everywhere at all times to pray and not to faint, not to become weary of praying. All right. Someone said like this, said the habit of not praying is far more difficult to break than the habit of praying. And I'm telling you, if you if you've ever been human. And had times that you vacillated back and forth of those times of being habitual about your prayer. And then had missed it to where you became habitual about not praying. I guarantee you if you've experienced that, you'll probably agree with me. It was harder to get back praying. Than the reverse of that. All right. Always pray. Jacob. We got to pray persistently. Jason wrestled with an angel in prayer before he crossed over that brook Jabbok. And his prayer was answered. Daniel went on a 21-day prayer, of course, adventure. Thought his prayer wasn't going to be answered, being hindered by the prince of Persia and all these things. But it was answered. Uh, in the New Testament, there are different parables that Jesus uses concerning one, a persistent friend. Another one, a woman who was importunate, which means she was persistent, amen, with her prayer. The Lord honors persistent praying. And so importunity, when we talk about importunity, it means basically this, the ability to hold on, to press on, to wait with unrelaxed grasp, with restless desire. <laughs> Be importunate in our prayer. I'll end with this. Stand with me this morning so I can end, okay? Years ago, there was, and I may have told this story before, but years ago there was a, uh, a missionary work that had started in Africa. And when they started this missionary work in Africa, they uh, had several converts, of course, uh, to Christianity. And like we are trying to do here this morning, uh, along with their conversion and experience, they were teaching the people that an essential aspect of their new experience and the success of that experience would be their prayer life. And so these African people that were of various tribes, they became so intentional and purposeful about prayer in their life as Christians. They made themselves actual prayer huts. They made a hut behind the hut that they lived in called their prayer hut. And uh, it was just for, if there was more than one individual in the family, then you multiplied the huts. There was just one hut per prayer person and so they would make these huts behind their houses and so as they would persistently and consistently travel to that hut each day sister Adams they wore a path in the grass of course from just making their way to their prayer hut 
And along the journey, neighbors that they had in their tribes, if they started to notice grass growing back on the path, they would just simply tell their neighbor in a kind little way, I noticed that the grass is growing on your path. Because all that meant was this, they wasn't frequenting the prayer hut consistently and persistently as they had before. Amen. Because if you keep going to the hut, you'll have a well-worn path to it. Amen. And so prayer is vital this morning. We'll continue this next Sunday. Amen. Concerning prayer, folks, this I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest areas in your Christian walk with God that the adversary will fight you tooth and nail on. He does not want you praying. He for sure don't want you praying every day. He don't want you to have quality prayers. He don't want you to war in prayer. I'm telling you, hands down, I've been, uh, whatever, you know, they say, well, I've been in the way. Well, I've tried not to be in the way, but I've been a part of this thing, man, been, ever since I've been eight years old. I'm 42 years old today. Ever since I was eight, I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. So all these years from eight to 42, I'm telling you right now, with experience, he is going to fight you. He don't care if you're a pastor. He don't care if you're a teacher. He don't care if you're a saint. He's going to fight you concerning your prayer life. He does not want God's people to pray. And if he fights us that much, I've said this, but if he fights us that much on that, then that should illustrate to us how important it is for us, collectively and individually as individuals. If there's something he doesn't want you doing, that's the very thing you need to be pouring yourself into. Amen. Power, privilege, Amen. And power in prayer. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord right now. I'm sorry, folks. Man, I'm just celebrating, you know, 42 years. Hallelujah. 55, 55 minutes. Here we go. Thank you. So thank God he don't celebrate every day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. I love you today, oh God. We're... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.